Welcome to Coached Soul, a podcast for a better you. Here's your host, Steve Hudgens. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm Steve, your host. I'm a licensed professional counselor here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. This podcast is about how to be a better you. Sometimes we interview a variety of people to help you to look at things from a different perspective. Sometimes I talk with my co-host, Keith Brown, who is a Marine veteran and theologian. Together with a therapeutic view or a theologian point of view, we try to give you fresh ideas how to look at things in a different perspective. Word of caution, today's topic is sensitive in nature, and we want to be careful about playing this podcast around children. Today's topic is sensitive and was meant to help couples to have a better relationship. Thank you for joining. Yo. Enjoy today's I don't podcast. Think we should talk about this. Come on, why not? People might misunderstand what we're trying to say, you know? Oh, but that's a part of life. salt and pepper for that introduction to today's topic welcome back to coach soul today with me is a very special guest she's our new dr ruth back in the day it's tracy owen tracy welcome thank you steve tracy kind of tell us a little bit about you uh to our listeners and exactly what what it is that you do Okay. Well, gosh, that's loaded, right? I'm Tracy. I'm a nurse. I've been a nurse for 33 years. I've been taking care of the human body and the human experience uh, for almost four decades. I am a wife. I'm a mother. I'm a grandmother. Um, I have a huge family. And that's probably what has always held me in Oklahoma is that I'm a very family-centered person. In my long career, about 12 years, 13 years ago, I went to Cancer Treatment Centers of America, and uh, which was quite a calling in my life. Like in a good redheaded Irish way, I argued with the Lord as he was sending me on this mission to Cancer Treatment Center. And then finally was like, okay, I'm going to give it a try. Well, of course, because that was a place I was supposed to be. It was a very fulfilling, wonderful experience for me. And I was a care manager, so I was taking care of, of people with a cancer diagnosis and their partners and their families as they went through the journey of treatment. And on that journey with folks, I really came to see how sexuality and intimacy and relationship roles and experiences are changed through the cancer journey. And as I started looking for help for folks, I was struggling to find help. And it turned out that the further I dug, the more I realized we had this huge gap in our healthcare model where we're truly impacting people's lives every day with different treatments and medications but we're not doing a good job of educating them about them and helping them find their way through those changes. So again, I felt that intense calling in my life that this was the place I was to serve. And it went right along with the fact that my husband and I had been called into marriage ministry about the same time. So, you know, you know how you look back in your life and you can see where the Lord's moving along and you're just kind of clueless to the plan, but yet then all of a sudden the plan is like in front of your face. So I went back to school to University of Michigan 
to become a sexuality counselor and a sex educator, and then uh, went on to do a certification through ASECT, which is the American Association of Sexuality Educators, Counselors, and Therapists. So basically, you know, people have commonly heard of a sex therapist. And my role was if when we went into that program, if you had a mental health based licensure, you became a sex therapist. So an LPC an LMFT licensed clinical social worker, those of us that came in with medical based licensure, nurse, PA, nurse practitioner, physician, we became sex counselors. So really, it's just kind of where sex therapy is going to have heavy focus in brain with some transition to body. Mine is heavy focus in body with transition into brain, because of course we can't separate the two. So I began working with cancer patients. We created the first um, sexual health program inside cancer treatment center. And then unfortunately, my facility was closed last year. So there weren't a lot of sex nurse jobs open. And I didn't feel done with the experience. So created a private practice in Broken Arrow. And I also work with patients from cancer treatment in Atlanta as well. So and you're more than welcome to name your place. What what is your place here in Broken Arrow? I'm Intimate Pathways Center for Sexual Health and 61st in Lynn Lane in BA. I am licensed multi-state. So um, I have, I can practice in 34 states within the U.S. So that gives me some wide range with telehealth as well. Quite the experience, Tracy. And, you know, you have a diverse background uh, with the nursing and now you move into this Cancer Treatment Center of America and they're not aware of sexual health. And I'm a military veteran and I've noticed that the, the VA, the Veterans Administration, like you said, they are way apart on their sexuality, mental health, the medical field is so disconnected that I've tried to talk to the, the regional person there in Washington, D.C. to get him to understand, but nothing's taking place. And what's happening to our soldiers is that, let's say they have some PTSD or some trauma, or they have a dysfunction because they lost a limb or an organ or something along those lines, the VA will only prescribe maybe four pills of Cialis or Viagra because they believe for a month. Yes. Thank you for the clarification is for a month and you're expected to say, okay, sex once a month, one time, that's it. And doesn't help the man to feel like a man. And now we have mental health issues to where they feel like they can't please a woman and Suicide rates go up because the men don't feel like men. Can you elaborate a little bit more about how the mind plays on a man when it comes to sexual health? Sort of like when women need that communication, the intimacy there through the communication and relationship. And if she doesn't feel safe with her man, she's not going to communicate. So she shuts down mm -hmm. and the man thinks, oh my gosh, you're having an affair or something's going along those lines. Can you elaborate a little bit more on how that plays? So, you know, it was real interesting. Of course, I had lived experience as a female, right? So that's kind of, that's the perspective I brought. And then when I went to what I lovingly refer to as sex school, I really began to have a different heart and a different understanding for our gents. 
because think about how men are socialized. I mean, think of how we're all socialized from day one, right? Boy, girl, are you blue or pink? Are you trucks or dolls? And we don't give people much opportunity to identify themselves before we are kind of pushing a lot of identity on them. Um, men are given access. This has been an interesting thing when we're, when I talk, when I've talked about feelings with men, our society has unfortunately given men access basically to one emotion and that's anger, one negative emotion. Like you can't feel sad. You can't feel helpless. You can't feel vulnerable. You can't feel giggly. You can't, you know, the only thing that men are allowed to feel and express publicly is anger. So I see grief, sadness, a lot of those emotions go unnamed and expressed as anger. And they say, oh, he has an anger issue. Well, does he have an anger issue or does he have a whole lot of grief or mental health struggle that hasn't been taken care of? And it's just showing up as anger. The other thing that I see is that men are not socialized to touch, right? Mm -hmm. We don't touch, we don't hug, we don't kiss, we don't pat, we don't touch. And, and we do that with our little boys because we're trying to toughen them up. We don't want them to be soft. Well, then the only expression of connection that we've given men permission to is sex. Mm-hmm. So sometimes men are really craving connection. Sometimes men are really craving being cuddled. They're just craving that sense of intimacy. But the only thing they've been given socialized permission to is an expression sexually. So, I mean, they already come at it with this mind meld, right? And and you hear the commercials. I know everyone hears these commercials on their radio that talk about low testosterone and, and being a real man and, you know, what that means to be a real man. And I'm, I, it makes me feel so sad, you know, that that's the place we've, we've kind of pigeonholed our men into. But society has told them what it means to be a man and that their erections a pretty big part of what it means to be a man. And so when my erection doesn't work and here's the news flash for the entire world, there will come a day that every man's erection doesn't work. And we don't tell them that we don't prepare them for that. And now if what if I've had prostate cancer and because of the treatment I've had to undergo, I don't have the ability to obtain an erection. I hear so many men come to me and say, I can't please my wife. Mm-hmm. No, you're absolutely right. And, my and sex life is done because I can't get an erection. Well, let's transition into the woman because sometimes I feel like men uh, use their erection as their identity. And then when they can't get that erection, then, oh my gosh, the woman feels like I'm not pretty enough. I'm not good enough. Let's transition to the woman's side for a moment. So what I see happen with men, and so around the 30s, men's testosterone levels begin naturally declining. By the 40s, we know that 40% of men in their 40s will have some experience of erectile loss, whether it's obtaining or maintaining the erection um, routinely. Um, And so when that happens, mankind 
really goes inward and becomes, uh, gets really in his head with these voices of being a man. And so he, in that anxiety that he's feeling, in that grief and anxiety and wondering that he's got, he's pulling away from his woman. So maybe he's not touching her. Maybe he's not patting her when he walks past her, you know, for the last 20 years when he's walked past her and she's at the kitchen sink, he smacks her on the rear in a very loving way, but he's not doing that anymore. And he's not kissing her and he's not Mm. cuddling at bedtime. And so what that woman then is thinking, so all the time it's him, like, I don't want to get something started that I can't finish. Or the last time I tried to do this, you know, it failed and I felt horrible. So I don't want to do this again. So I'm not going to do things that put me in that position. Meanwhile, she's over here like, okay, what's the deal? He's patted me every day for the last 20 years on the booty. And for the last month, there's been nothing and he doesn't hold me. And oh my gosh, I've gained weight. I mean, I know I gained weight since we got married. So I probably need to go on a crash diet and I need to do a lot of exercising and I need to get my hair redone because he no longer finds me attractive anymore. Mm -hmm. And what does that mean if my husband's not attracted to me? Oh, well, gosh, he's probably going to go have an affair or is he already having an affair? I mean, it's just the mind games between the two are so burdensome and so heavy that it makes it difficult to turn toward each other in that conversation. Well, when you have a lack of communication, because, you know, there's fear that's there because I'm afraid to talk to my husband because I'm afraid of how he's going to react. Mm-hmm. And the husband can be reactive in such a way that it causes her to shut down. Absolutely. And then it's the vice versa. You know, she's afraid. And, you know, faith-based, you think of Adam and Eve when, they ate of the fruit, their eyes were open. Instead of Adam saying, hubba, hubba, he says, no, cover up with these fig leaves. It doesn't help a woman's self-esteem. So it's difficult when you have relationships and these mind games get there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, talk about a little bit about how a woman connects with a man with her c- communication and how a man uh, connects with a woman. So when I, when I hear that, I think about a Christian comedian, Mark Gunger. Have you ever heard of him? Oh yeah. He's good. Now, he does this skit of his brain, her brain. Mm-hmm. And I, and I've had couples watch that endlessly for many years because I love the representation that he gets. His presentation of it can be a little off for me. So I have to like kind of ferret that out of my brain. But his message is so good. So he talks about the man brain and it's this huge warehouse full of of uh, boxes. And inside each of these little cubbies is another box. And each of those boxes is a part of life. So the car box, the lawn box, the grocery box, the work box. And he only takes one out at a time. And the boxes never touch. And when he's done with that box, he puts the box up. And he does explain that men actually do have nothing boxes. So that, you know, because women, we can't understand that. And so then he shows the woman brain and he, he talks about it being the internet superhighway. And everything is connected to everything, all the emotions, the kids, the relationships, the sex, all that's connected in her brain. 
right? So that automatically sets us up for a little bit of struggle in the communication, right? Because he's going to want to maybe talk about this one thing for the one box he has down. And she's going to want to talk about 52 things that have something to do with that one box. Right. Women's brains are like spaghetti. Of course, I'm always thinking about food anyway. So women's brains like spaghetti. They're always touching. Yes. Always. Intersecting. And then you forget the man's box of fix it. Yes. He's got a fix it box. He's always trying to fix because he wants to problem solve. Because that's that's who he is very naturally and very socially. Right. So there's a natural piece of that, I think, of the man as he was designed by the Lord. But I think there's also the man that is socially kind of put in those boxes of being fixers. And the problem is, is that now we live in a society where women have a much different voice than they used to have. I am probably one of those women. (laughs) (laughs) I I know my husband and I had to create some language around this Mm -hmm. um, because if I came home from work and I'm talking about my day, which tends to end up being a gripe session sometimes, right? And I'm talking about this problem that I'm having at work. In my head, I'm just talking it out loud, right? Like I'm just putting those words out to see how they roll out of me because that helps me problem solve for myself. But when I start rolling out those problems to my paramedic firefighter husband, who's trained to identify a problem, fix a problem, move on, You know, he immediately would launch into what I needed to do to fix the problem. Well, of course, that would irritate me. Right. So it was a it was not a a good interaction for either one of us because he's just trying to help me out. I brought this problem to him. (laughs) So instead of putting out the so instead (laughs) of uh, putting out the fire, he created one. Right. And so we had, so we created language around that because that, that was a recurrent issue that we both didn't enjoy. It didn't feel good. So we needed to figure out how to do it different. And so when I just needed to talk, I would say to him, Hey, I want to talk to you about this situation. I don't need you to fix anything for me right now, but I'd love just to talk it out with you. And that let him know, okay, I don't have to fix anything here. That's not her expectation of me here. Her expectation is just that I be present and listen to her. And, you know, I, I would say that's probably been an ongoing thing through our marriage is learning how, and it's still happening to this day. How do we talk about things? And, you know, if couples, when they first get together, don't establish good communication skills, if we can't talk about sex when everything is good, then I can tell you we're not going to talk about sex when things are not good. Right. You know, it, have a language. Correct. And that's what I do in couples therapy. I say we have a stoplight here at the intersection that directs the flow of traffic, but we don't have that in our everyday conversation. Like for you get up in the morning, hey, I have a headache. I don't feel very well. I may be snappy today. I don't mean to be snappy. Mm-hmm. Please be gracious to me. That's a yellow light that we don't have that kind of communication. And what I want to uh, kind of expound on the next five minutes here that we have left is talk a little bit about that when a woman cannot connect with her man communicatively, what happens to her? 
And then when we get in an argument, how can a man wants to be able to have sex after the argument? Good luck, mister. Right? I need emotional connection. I need intellectual connection. You know, this is women speak. Women are emotional lovers. So if in my internet superhighway, the things that I'm accessing are all negative encounters, then my brain is not going to be motivated to connect with you sexually. I have to feel loved. I have to feel accepted. I have to feel connected to want to be sexual. You know, that's why in the early days of relationship, people can have those, you know, great quickies that are really good and they enjoy them. But if life stays a quickie, that's going to change over time. Right. So for female, if I'm not feeling emotionally connected to my mate, feeling respected by my mate, loved by my mate, I'm not going to have sexual drive in my brain toward that because we've put a lot of brakes on it. I think of those as the brakes. When I'm mad at you, I mean, there are people who really enjoy that high adrenaline um, after a fight sex, but it usually doesn't last long in the relationship. That's usually pretty short lived where that can be a passionate positive. Again, I, I, I've heard this adage of to if you want to get down here with a woman, you've got to start here and here. But for a man, if you want to get here and here, you got to start down there. And so, you know, it's one of those things I have on a list to ask God about. Like, so, so how come we're, we're driving in different directions here? I can see you, but our audience can't. So when you say here and here for a woman, it's below the waist. It's below Sorry. the waist. Right. I want to there. get to the, to the love triangle. There you go. But I've got to start in her brain and her heart to get there. There you go. And then for a man. For man, you know, for men, their access, because they've been socialized that sex is connection. Right. If we dial into sex, then I'm going to be able to feel safe enough to be vulnerable with my emotions and my thoughts. So what do you suggest for a couple who is struggling? Does a man need to make the move to connect or does a woman need to? Because sometimes we have this angst, unresolved conflict. How do we be able to reconnect men and women together? You know, if you keep doing things the same way, you're going to keep getting the same outcome. So the sure. first thing you're going to have to do is... As a couple, you're going to have to step back and evaluate what habits are serving us well and what habits are not serving us well. And sometimes if it's been a while, if there's been a lot of space between that couple, they're not going to navigate that independently because they'll get stuck in the same cycles they've gotten stuck in the last 15 times they tried to have a sex conversation. Um, sex comes so loaded mm -hmm. for us. It comes loaded societally, socially. I mean, think about what we see our bodies should be on TV, magazines, you know. What does sex look like socially? Men, because we don't step into healthy conversations with people and stage them from their, their infancy up because we don't have healthy conversations, right. our men are turning to porn type 
environments to learn about sex. And that doesn't represent partnered intimacy. Tracy, I appreciate uh, our conversation and and we're going to pick up uh, our next podcast. And I, I want to talk about on this next podcast, how what are some resolutions that we can bring to the table sexually? You know, what medications are there that causes this? What are some like the men's health or diabetes, those type of things? I want to talk about here's the problems that arise, but what are some solutions that we can give and, and mainly trying to help women to understand that, you know, they need to teach the man how to treat them right. and that men need to be patient and allow her to teach him how to treat her right. because each person's different. So Tracy, I appreciate it. And we'll see you next time. All right. Can't wait. Talk to you Thank soon. You. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. We hope to have you back next week. Until then, be safe and be kind.